Welcome to the Power of a Woman podcast. This podcast is centered around helping you reclaim and finding yourself as a woman, connecting with how you want to feel in your life and body, and changing the narrative on not only how we approach health for women, but also how we treat ourselves and the stories that we tell ourselves. I'm so grateful you're here. Let's dive in. Hello. Welcome back. Hello. You guys know who I am with today. She was on several weeks ago and we had a lot of questions around hypothyroid, Hashimoto's, just thyroid health in general. And we had you guys fill out some questions for us so we could answer for you today based on our last podcast episode. And there's definitely some good ones for us to dive into. So I, without further ado, if you haven't listened to our first one yet, I want you to go back and listen to the Hashimoto's episode with Chelsea, but I'm going to let her introduce herself if you missed it so we can go through today. And then if you haven't yet, go back and listen after you finish this one. So welcome Chelsea. I'm so happy to have you back here with me. Oh, thank you so much. I love being on your podcast. So let's do this a million more times, (laughs) (laughs) but hi everyone. I am Chelsea. I am a registered dietitian, spiritual healer, and Hashimoto's warrior. I have Hashimoto's myself. I also have PCOS. I have insulin resistance, right? All the good juicy stuff is a, is a wonderful combination inside my body. And I have really honed in on how to use mindset, nutrition, and lifestyle changes to help me feel as good as I freaking possibly can and enjoy life instead of feeling like I have to restrict and I I need to constantly think about food or I need to do all of these changes in order to feel anything, not the vibes anymore. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. I have a membership program called the Hashimoto's Method Membership, where we dive in on how to get you feeling good with Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism. And I just love what I get to do. Awesome. We met in a group been like over two years now, but I have hypothyroid, but mine is secondary. So a lot of the things that Chell shares though, I resonate with a lot because I think you'll find as we're chatting more, you know, a lot of the things that we'll discuss can be very much the same as mm-hmm. far as, you know, if you have a hypothyroid, if you don't, if you have Hashimoto's, there's a lot of things that can come into this. And if you guys haven't listened to the first one, Hashimoto's can cause hypothyroid, right? Um, there's a lot of different things that can happen when it comes to the thyroid. And I think the most important thing is really understanding that connection and knowing where your body needs to be supported. And I think like what you said, working through that mind body, that aspect, that was the one thing when I first was told I had hypothyroid one, no one described it to me as mine is secondary mine. Mm. You know, no one in my family has anything like this, but people in my family do have autoimmunities. So my first fear was do I have Hashimoto's, right? Or is it an autoimmunity? But no one talked to me about how much the stress that I was undergoing at the time that I was diagnosed probably was having an impact on how my body was responding. And no one was discussing, everyone was talking about nutrition things I should do and what I needed to cut out Mm -hmm. and what I needed to scale back on. And, but no one was telling me about how much just supporting my overall stress and supporting my overall mindset and supporting the way that I handle things, maybe looking into, you know, things that have like compounded to lead to the stressors that I had now, how those could be playing a role and how my thyroid was, was functioning. And I think that's a huge thing that's missing. And I love that you speak to that so much. And it's not just the standard 
cut gluten out and do this, right? It's yeah. more so looking at like what actually makes you feel really good and how can we support you because Hashimoto's doesn't need to be a death sentence for you. Right. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about this all day, but you know, most of the time, right. A lot of people come to me and they say, I've cut gluten out. I've cut this and I've cut that. And I still feel like crap. And my response is, well, what are you doing to help your mindset? What are you doing to help your lifestyle? How's your stress, right? There's so many things that go into healing that when you Google, when you go on Dr. Google, no one explains it. And I always will say this and I truly believe it. You could do all the things, right? You, you can cut all these foods out, but if you don't work on your mindset and making yourself happy, your mind, body, soul, life, environment, happy and working for you, you're probably still going to feel like crap at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. After 15 years of working with clients, I can tell you hands down, that is probably one of the most important factors. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to talk about the nutrition aspect. What workout should I be doing? And I can tell you that I have had clients through the years that have been great from the nutrition aspect. They've been good at getting workouts in consistently. They go to bed on time, but when they fill out their check-in every week, that one thing that's always still getting checked is they're not doing any restoration recovery based Mm -hmm. things and their stress is through the roof. And then they're always going to be the clients that are telling me I'm not getting any results and I'm frustrated and this isn't working. And I'm like, I know, I know you're not. And I know why. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think we forget with Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism that our body has been doing so much for so long. Your body's basically trying to survive. It needs your thyroid plays a role in almost every bodily function from breathing to body temperature, to your weight, to your joints, to how your liver works, your reproductive cycle, growing a bit, right? Your, your thyroid plays a role in almost everything. So your body's working so hard right now to just do the bare minimum. Yeah. So I always say like when we add on all this stuff and wonder why our recovery after a workout is crap or wondering why after we drink alcohol, why you feel so hungover the next day or why if you're not sleeping well, you probably feel like a Big Mac truck hit you because you, your body is concentrating on doing the bare minimum right now and it can't concentrate on doing all this extra stuff. So we need to slow down. We need to restore. We need to, and that doesn't mean you can't work out or move your body or do fun things. That just means we have to pay attention to what our body's telling us and meet it where it's at sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's dive into some of the questions that we had asked. The first one was in regards to thyroid health, how much applies if you have no thyroid? I had mine removed 21 years ago and I've always struggled with so many things that I have been told that I just have to chalk it up to not having a thyroid because I'm being told that I can't support what I don't have. Mm. First of all, thank you for sharing. And I'm so sorry that you're being told. All I heard was I can't, I won't, right? Like I can't do this. They're telling me no. And that is such a crappy feeling to like start off with. And I think that whether or not you have a thyroid, it's very important to still work on things that, you know, your body loves in general. For me, that's rest, (laughs) a lot of freaking rest for me. That's really enjoying food, savoring the flavor, being intuitive about what I want, recreating things from 
ingredients that I know my body loves and so on and so forth. As far as like the clinical side of not having a thyroid, I'm assuming but you know what happens when you assume I shouldn't assume that you're on medication, right? Your body's getting the thyroid hormone somehow, some way through medication, most likely, which is great because your body needs it. And I will always be a little disgruntled when doctors say there's nothing you can do because that's bullshit. <laughs> that is not true. That is not true at all. I really hope you learn that from Brooke's podcasts, her page, my page, what, wherever you are in our worlds, because there is so much you could do to help yourself feel better. I'm sure you have a lot of symptoms that are going on right now. No matter what they are, you can do things to feel better in conjunction with medication if you choose. And that could look like working with someone to help your mindset around the fact that everyone in your life has told you you can't do something. Yeah right? Like attracts like, or finding what foods are working for your body without a thyroid, because your thyroid uses a lot of, would have used a lot of nutrients that you got from your food. But now how can we serve the rest of your body so that it does everything that it needs to do? And then lifestyle changes, just the bare minimum. Are you drinking enough water? Are you sleeping? Because there's all these other hormones in our body that need to be functioning properly. And, and we hope they're functioning properly that we can help. And there's so much in our control. And I think we forget that quite often about how much control we actually have when it comes to lifestyle changes, mindset changes, and nutrition changes. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. I think, you know, when you're, you're told there's nothing we can do, I think the most important thing to remember is there's nothing they can do from a medical standpoint. Mm -hmm. That's what they're telling you. They're not saying that there is nothing that you can do from a nutritional standpoint, from a lifestyle standpoint, from a, you know, daily activity standpoint. What they're saying is from within their understanding from the medical side and from a medication side and those things that that's all they know that that's what you can do. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that there aren't alternative options for you out there. And one of the most important things I like to say to women is if you intuitively feel like there is something else, then keep digging, keep yep. asking because your intuition is rarely ever wrong. You just need to figure out. And it just means that you haven't figured it out yet. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I love that you said that. And I agree. And I, you know, I, honestly, I never viewed it that way where doctors are, or, or really anyone in the clinical world is saying that there's nothing more I can do for you versus taking it as, all right, well, I'm screwed. This is the rest of my life. <laughs> and, and it can be scary. You know, you, you probably Googled a thyroidectomy or how to live without a thyroid a bajillion times. And there's blogs and there's articles, but they have no context on your life and what food you enjoy and how your gut health is and all your other hormones. And I think it's important to really work on you because no article blog news thing knows who you are and how your body works. Yeah. And it's, if it's something that you've been living with for 21 years, the person who filled that out or anybody else who's listening, depending on how long you've had it too. I think the most important thing to keep in mind too, is just patience is the best game for you. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's been 21 years and one, stay on top of your thyroid medications. And I always advise, you know, making sure that you're regularly getting it checked to make sure it's keeping your levels where we would want them to be. But on top of that, 
just knowing that because it's been 21 years, it doesn't mean it's going to take 21 years for you to feel good, but it's not happening in three months. And you can start to feel better, but it does mean that you need to take more of a lifestyle long game approach with the things that you're implementing. Mm -hmm. And not everything has to happen overnight. One week you can focus on one thing. And then in a couple of weeks later, you can focus on something else and just choose what feels realistic and sustainable to you at this stage of your life. And understand that there's going to be different stages of your life where things will shift. Chelsea and I both have young kids right now. Mm -hmm. And we were just discussing before this, how the first year postpartum feels like you like lost a year of your life a little bit so much. So just understand that there's going to be different things at different stages of life that you can focus on. And that's not a failure. You're not going to be perfect at every single thing. I promise you people could look at my life right now. And there are things that somebody could pinpoint and tell that I could be improving instead. Mm -hmm. Yes, 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 yes to everything you said. But one thing I just want to add, and I think this is a common misconception that I see with thyroidectomy patients, people, I don't like the word patients. I don't know why I said it, but, um, is that you can still have Hashimoto's with a thyroidectomy without a thyroid in there. Hashimoto's by definition is when your immune system is building antibodies to attack the tissue there. Now there isn't tissue there if you've had a full thyroidectomy, but that means it's just going and attacking other things or staying in your blood or, you know, wherever it's going. So I just want you to keep in mind that even if a doctor says, oh, you don't have a thyroid, we don't need to test antibodies or we don't need to test any of this stuff, ask them to do it still. And you can say by definition, that's not true. And and really advocate for yourself in this space, because we want to make sure that you are getting exactly what you need, the right dosages, the right advice, and just really keep everyone in the loop. The more you, I, I always say, especially with women who don't have a thyroid that work with me is we want to get you tested even more than the norm every six months minimum would be like the golden rule because remember your medication dosage is probably very sensitive. Yeah. And we want to make sure that you're not swaying either way and we're right where we need to be. And then everything can join together. The medication, the mindset, the nutrition, your team, your environment is going to really, really help you feel as good as freaking possible. I love that. Okay. Question number two. Is intermittent fasting good for thyroid issues or Hashimoto's? All right. There's a black and white answer and then there's a gray answer. (laughs) So black and white, no. Gray answer. And this is what I say to people when they ask me is it really depends where you're at in your journey and what's going on inside your body. And I say that because if you are at the beginning, you are just diagnosed, you're in a flare up of Hashimoto's or hyperthyroidism, meaning your symptoms are really prevalent every day. You feel like crap. Intermittent fasting is not going to help you. It is probably going to do a little bit more damage than good in that situation. Our goal is to get you out of that flare, meaning you're not having a lot of symptoms or they're decreasing significantly. Then we can look at the broader picture. There are some instances where intermittent fasting might be helpful, but 
definitely not in the beginning, definitely not on your own, definitely not, not should like, that should not be the first thing that's going to, you feel is going to cure and fix everything. What I mean though, by special situations where it might be warranted to do intermittent fasting is after you've worked on your relationship with food, after you've worked on decreasing your symptoms, let's say we're in our gut health era of, of healing on this, on this Hashimoto's thyroid journey, oftentimes if you have gut health issues, intermittent fasting might be helpful. It depends on what's going on. And like I said, get help from someone who can steer you in the right direction. But I would say like that is one of the only scenarios I would ever suggest trying it. Yeah. I think the the question I always ask is why are you asking the question, right? Mm -hmm. We have to look at what's my reasoning for asking this. Is my reasoning a health-based question or is it a weight loss-based question, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that's the most important thing to keep in mind because sometimes especially, you know, intermittent fasting, all of these that have come out, keto, all of this is a lot of times these things can be explored for the wrong reasons Mm -hmm. and not used in a health-based environment. We're not talking Hashimoto's intermittent fasting and, or giving your gut a break in general can be great for someone who is having digestive issues or their gut is overly stressed or there's a lot of things going on, but we always have to take into consideration what's the individuality of that person and what's Mm -hmm. the, what's the intended goal or the intended outcome of what we're using it for. Right. Um, And if you don't plan on doing it long-term and your body's already under some stress, Mm. it's probably not going to support you the way that you think it will. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the studies that I have personally found on intermittent fasting and thyroid hypothyroidism, or there's really no good studies on Hashimoto's in all honesty, um, because who's paying for that to be done? (laughs) Not me. (laughs) Um, But they're typically done on men. Yeah. Or animals. Yeah. Who don't have insulin issues, who don't have spikes in their (laughs) hormones every single month. And I don't, they do have spikes. What I mean is like significant altering spikes in their hormones. They are not at the same cortisol level we are. And I think a lot of this comes into play when we see a lot of these trendy new things come out. Yep. Now I always ask, and I love that you asked that Brooke, that's such a good question. Is it coming from health or a weight, you know, a weight loss point of view? And what doesn't make sense to me, and this has never made sense to me, even when I was in school to be a registered dietitian, is you're already technically fast, right? If you're sleeping, you're fasting. And that is when your body is doing all of your rest and digest stuff, all the tasks it has to do is in your sleep. And most people go at least what, 10, maybe 12 hours on average between dinner and breakfast the next day. Yep. And that to me is a long enough fast. That's, that's a fast. And I, I I just think that I understand why we want to try it. We want the magic pill. We want to feel good. We want to look good. We want to lose weight. Some of us, and I get it as someone who's tried it, I get it. Like I'm with you, 
But I think we have to be realistic about the situation and what's going to be more sustainable for the future you, because I don't know about you, but I am not going to spend every day waiting until the clock turns 11, 12, 1, 2 to eat. I, I don't have it in me. Yeah. So if I feel like I already am starting off in the mindset that, oh, I'll just see how it goes. I'll try this new thing. It's probably not going to be helpful in general, not even not helpful for your hormones, for your thyroid, for um, anything, but it's probably not a sustainable, smart, intuitive decision. Yeah. I think that's a really great point. I think the thing to keep in mind too, I love that you made the point of nutrition studies, right? There are rarely ever nutrition studies done on women. They're usually done on men. And we have to keep in mind that our bodies, as amazing as they are, respond to things very differently than a guy's body because of the hormonal shifts, because of everything. There's a lot of complexities that can come into play. But as a woman, your body can be more, I guess, in simplistic terms, hypersensitive to stressors, Mm -hmm. right? And we have to keep in mind that if we're applying a stress, we have to apply the right stress for the right outcome. And sometimes the stressors that we apply can have positive outcomes or negative outcomes. And we have yeah. to look for what we're, what we're wanting out of that. And I agree with you. I cannot wait until noon to eat a day. <laughs> I was not a nice person in the morning if I had to do that. Um, yeah. I've never been one of those people who like forgets to eat though either. So like when mm-hmm. people tell me that, I'm like, how do you do that? I'm like, I've never had that happen in my life. Me too. Yeah. Me <laughs> too. And uh, and honestly, like I, there are a lot of dieters in my life. Yeah. And I have been asked up and down about intermittent fasting, about keto, about I mean, you name it. I mean, someone who lives in my house right now is on Jenny Craig, right? Like, and no hate to anyone. I I'm a team player. I think you do you and what makes you happy. But I also think we have to be really realistic at this point. Majority of the people listening to this probably have tried almost every single diet there probably is out there, whether it worked or not for whatever period of time. Why are we avoiding trying to be realistic? And I know why it's because the, the scale doesn't move every single week or every single day, but that's a sign that our relationship with food, our relationship with our body needs to be worked on first, truly on any journey, but specifically a Hashimoto's healing journey or a hypothyroidism healing journey. If all you're thinking about is what food you can't eat, what food you desperately want to eat, the scale portions, numbers, it's probably not sustainable. It's probably not realistic. And it's time to start investing probably time, money, and energy in yourself to repair your relationship with those things. So you can actually enjoy the heck out of food and not feel like you're destroying your health or any, you know, anything like that. I think one of the best things you can do before you start anything is really getting back in touch with your mindfulness with food, right? Mm -hmm. Before you go to eat something, taking a second to check in with yourself and see how you're feeling, taking a second to see, is this like an emotional choice or are you truly hungry and really, really learning your own habits and really learning why you're making the choices you're making, which I think can be huge. And it also can help you to tune into, you know, your metabolism shifts day by day based on stress, based on sleep, based on your hormonal function. There's so many different things that are coming into this. So it can help you to tune into and be aware of, I have days where I work out harder and I'm in certain stages of my cycle where I need to eat more. 
-hmm. and I'm hungry more often. And then I have times where I don't do as much movement and I'm in a different stage of my hormonal cycle and I'm just not as hungry. So it's really knowing and being okay with the fact that you're actually not going to want to eat the same amount every single day. And that's, that's okay. Yeah. For sure. One thing I do want to add, and this blew my mind when, you know, intermittent fasting first crossed my eyeballs was you're eating less, right? Like the whole gist of it is that you're eating less for a shorter period of time. And the key with Hashimoto's healing is making sure that you're eating enough for your body. So your body's not in that stress mode. So it's not in that fight or flight mode. It's not in that pump out cortisol, do it, keep, go, go, go. We need to keep you alive, blah, blah. Like there's no rest. And the point is, is that if you are at at a point of your thyroid healing journey where you're still getting flare-ups, you're still having symptoms, your body's in a state of stress. And why are we trying to add more stress by not fueling our body? Why would our body ever thank us by losing weight if we're not even giving it what it needs bare minimum, enough food, enough water, enough sleep? Yeah. Why would our body ever give us what we want? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. That's a really, really great point. Yeah. Okay. Third question, final question we'll go through today. Okay. Um, postpartum and Hashimoto's. I felt really good during my pregnancy. And now that I am postpartum, I am starting to feel awful. What are some of the things mm-hmm. that I might need to pay attention to with Hashimoto's postpartum than the standard postpartum advice? Yes, yes, yes. You're not alone. It is very common for your Hashimoto's to go into remission during pregnancy. It's because your body has a way of providing for the baby. So it makes sure everything is spick and span normally. And then we go through this huge, honestly, traumatic experience of birth and your hormones are out of control. Your body went from within minutes having something it needed to provide life for to nothing. So these shifts really tend to cause a lot of flares, a lot of spikes in your antibody, spikes in your TSH, spikes in all your labs. And you'll probably feel very off postpartum. And I hate to say that that's normal because it's not normal. Like it shouldn't be normal, but that is what happens typically. So I would say, and this is what I tell all of my postpartum Hashimoto's warriors is get tested frequently postpartum. It is very common to need higher doses of medication to need to change some things up to even go on medication postpartum to ensure that your thyroid is calming itself down and really normalizing and going back to homeostasis once you've had your baby. So number one thing, be in touch with it, whether it's your endocrinologist, your OB. I got tested personally every four to six weeks for the first three to four months. I don't remember exactly of being postpartum. And that was to make sure that the high didn't get too high and the low didn't get too low because you feel off no matter what probably (laughs) with the lack of sleep, the lack of taking care of yourself. There's just so much happening. You're learning you're taking care of a human and you're healing. So I would say allow someone else to take care of that for you. Meaning 
definitely be in contact with your doctor, have them run a full thyroid panel at least once out of those first four months, like full, like antibodies, T4, T3, all that good stuff. Number two, I would say now is the time to really hone in on self-care whether that looks like taking a shower every single day for you or doing a five minute breathing technique while the baby naps once a week, like whatever that, however you can fit into that, because this is really a time where our mental health is also really tested in general. Yeah. But when you add Hashimoto's into there, you're more susceptible. So just make sure that you're, you're really supportive. And this is just personal postpartum advice is communication with your support team, your doctors, your um, significant other, your family, whoever's taking care of you, whoever's going to like be seeing you frequently, be very vocal about what's going on, whether you need help. I needed my significant other to literally type out a checklist of my medications that I needed to take and physically check them off. Cause I could not for the life of me, remember what I took and what I didn't take. Like I needed that support. I needed someone, I needed to trust someone else to take care of that stuff for me and ask for the help. And I would say that's like probably my number one piece of advice for anyone who's going through a postpartum experience is really, it's okay to lean on people during this time. You have to, I, really struggled with that the first round because I thought I should be able to do it all. And then when we added a second in, I was like, there is no way in hell that I can Mm -hmm. do all of this. Right. And you really have to, and I did the same, but I think the most important thing with that too, is have everybody there, but remember that you have to, you might have to advocate a little bit, right. You might have to say, no, this is what I want checked. Mm -hmm. I want pulled in my blood work and don't just assume sometimes that they're just going to know what you need or take care of it. It's okay to just say and be direct and say like, no, this is what I need. And this is what I want looked at. Um, because at the end of the day, it's only your body that's getting impacted. So you want to make sure that you're going to take care of it because you're the only one who's going to feel it. And you're the only one who knows how you're truly feeling. So I don't care if somebody's telling you it's not necessary or that, you know, most women don't need to, or whatever, if you're feeling like something's off, it's totally okay to advocate and say, I'd rather be safe than sorry. For sure. I think it's also important that it's really hard. I don't want to call it gaslighting, but it's really hard to decipher what's postpartum and what's Hashimoto's during this time. And I like to say it's all of it because our body isn't like, oh, it's Hashimoto's turn. Oh, it's postpartum's turn. That's not how our bodies work. Our body is honestly coming down from a traumatic event and it could be a good traumatic event, but it's still trauma on your body. And we need to... sometimes we need to remind the people who are ordering our labs that whether it's normal postpartum or Hashimoto's, I still would like to make sure that my medication dosage is correct. Or I still would like to make sure that my TSH is doing what it's supposed to be doing, right? Saying things, sticking up for yourself. And what I do is I go in with a list and things I want to say every time I go to a doctor in general, And I pull, I say, oh, I have, you know, I have a list. Let me just read off of it because I just want to make sure I get everything off. And since I started doing that, I haven't had an issue with any doctor. And trust me, I've been to a lot of, a lot of freaking doctors requesting what I want. And then most of the time they just take the list and then they type it all out and and click order um, because it takes a lot of effort off of their brains too. So just keep in mind that 
you may Google something and say, oh, it's normal postpartum to be anxious, to be depressed, to have your joints hurt, to have heart palpitations, whatever that is. But that does not mean it's not your your thyroid acting up. So definitely stay in a consistent lab checking (laughs) place for the first few months of postpartum. Absolutely. The last one that I have in here is I was told that it is not possible to put my Hashimoto's into remission. Is this true or not? That's a load of bull. If you ask me, I probably, I always picture, it's really funny. I'm a very visual person. So when people tell me these like crazy stories about what their doctors or people have said to them, I always picture this super old man with gray hair, big glasses and just like a snooty attitude in his white coat being like, no, there's nothing. And then like, that's it walks out. So (laughs) I would say that that's bull. You can Google it. It's there. There are scientific studies that actually state that you can be in remission. Is Hashimoto's curable, meaning you can get rid of it forever. It will never come back. No, it's not. However, remission means that your antibodies are low enough that it's not actively adding more and attacking your tissue in your body. All right. So that number for Western medicine is usually anything below 30 for functional medicine. It's anything below 15, typically TPO antibodies is what I'm talking about. And guys, I have been there multiple times. I have put myself in remission multiple times. The thing that's really hard with getting into remission is that it's really hard to get into it and it's really easy to come out of it because it fluctuates so much based on our stress levels, based on our sleep, based on our nutrition, based on our mindset and things that are happening in our life. But that does not mean you cannot get there. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes energy. It takes investing in yourself and moving forward in a way that is in general, a healing energy, I I guess I would say. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a a good point you just made, right? You've been in it multiple times. You're going to go through different stages of life that may take you out of it. And that's not a failure. If you do get into it, it doesn't mean you did something to screw it up because you Mm -hmm. came out of it. You can go back into it. It's just understanding and appreciating like, okay, I have this stressor in my life right now, or I have this going on right now. I may not be in remission, right? I may not be in this place, but here's what I can do with where I'm at. And I know that I can be back there again. Mm Mm-hmm. For sure. And you know, here's the thing. I think labs are really important. I love that kind of data. I think it's like a good picture what's happening inside of our body, but that is not all that matters when you are trying to get into remission. Now for me and my practice and what I speak about with my clients, when, you know, we're talking about remission and how do we get there and what do we need to do is that numbers are great, right? Like, like as far as labs go, gives us a nice picture of what's happening inside, but how you feel is way more important to me. I could give two flying, you know, what <laughs> I was just about to curse a lot. Um, <laughs> what the number says, but if you're like Chels, I'm losing weight. Chels, I'm feeling good. Chels, I can work out and not feel like a Big Mac truck hit me and I can recover within two days before it was 10 days, right? Like that to me is more of remission than a number because you could still feel like crap with a number, but how you feel is way more important. So, so true. Yes. You can feel really, really good and have labs that aren't ideal. 
-hmm. You can also have labs that are ideal and feel like crap, right? So there are two totally different things. You have to judge based off of, am I able to live out my daily life the way that I want to and feel the way that I want to feel? And if the answer to that is no, then we probably need to pay attention to something. Mm -hmm. But if the answer to that is yes, then I don't care if your TPO number is 60 or, you know, if it's 15, if you're feeling really good and you're able to do everything that you want to do the way that you want to do it, then why does it matter what that number is telling you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. When I first started working with clients, like one of my first clients, you know, we were working together for quite some time and she got lab work done and I was like, everything's going to be low or perfect. This is great. She's feeling so good. And her TPL antibodies were higher than what we started. And I felt, I personally, and this is not even me, felt like such a failure. I felt like I failed her. I couldn't explain really why this was happening. And I, you know, but I asked her like, how do you feel? Like, do you genuinely feel as good as you've been saying? And she's like, I'm not even paying attention to that number because you know what, this is the best I've felt in five years and you helped me get there. And that's what matters to me more. And that was the day I was like, oh my gosh, Duh, that makes so much sense because it's so true. You know, there are women who come to work with me where their TPO antibodies are in the thousands, but they're feeling okay. They're still able to get pregnant. They're right. Like, like they're still able to pay attention to themselves and, and they still want to feel better, but they don't feel horrible. Whereas someone like who is really sensitive as far as TPO antibodies go may feel like crap if they're out of 50. Yeah, it it really just everyone is so different, but you 100% can put Hashimoto's into remission. But I personally think the definition of what remission means is different to everyone. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for being here. This is awesome to have you on again. I know you guys are probably going to have more questions. We'll ask them. We'll bug Chelsea to come on again. Of course. <laughs> we could keep going. Like, we'll keep doing episodes. I love talking about this. And I just think it's your question. Any question that we've gotten so far has been so great because I think both Brooke and I have been there yeah. and have wondered and have worked on that ourselves for the most part. So just know you're not alone. And we're always here. <laughs> to help you. So what's the best way for people to get in touch with you if they do have more questions that might be more specific or want to know different ways that they can get supported with you? Yeah. So through Instagram, the Hashimoto's method, that's me and my team. And then also through the Hashimoto's method membership or really any of my programs, if you need more like one-on-one private stuff, um, we could chat about that there. Perfect. And I will put that in the show notes. So if you're driving, don't take notes. <laughs> Please don't. you get stopped (laughs) otherwise thank you for joining i hope you guys have a great week and we'll talk to you soon bye and that's it for this episode on the power of a woman podcast if any part of this episode resonated with you i would greatly appreciate you giving it a review sharing it on your social media and tagging me for another woman who may need to hear it too If changing the narrative is something you're ready to take action on, my coaching programs are set up to help you do just that. We will address the nutrition, movement, lifestyle, stress, gut health, and hormonal needs that you individually have as a woman so that we can help you feel your absolute best and own your power too. Connect with me on Instagram at Brooke Razzi or head over to my website at brookrazzi.com to learn more.